Hello and welcome to another new episode of Tony the Movie Guy, the podcast. Before I introduce this episode, I wanted to give a shout out to Maddie to the Max. You have heard her on our Pixar and DreamWorks episodes. And I wanted to let you know that she is everywhere. And you can find her content on her YouTube page and all social media. It's all Maddie to the Max, M-A-D-I, the number two, the Max. And she has these great videos that she puts up, these great impressions that she does. It's super fun. So definitely check it out. On this episode, we have a special guest, Adam Seagal. He is an L.A.-based filmmaker, and he's super awesome and super nice. So join Tony, Yenny, and Adam as they discuss film production in Hollywood. Enjoy! Hi guys, it's Tony the Movie Guy for another episode of Tony the Movie Guy, the podcast. And as always with me, Miss Money Annie. Miss Money Annie. Yay! Okay, we've got a cool guest with us uh, this evening. This is going to be a fun episode. I met you a couple weeks ago, Mm -hmm. filmmaker Adam Seagal. Sure. Yeah, your father perfect, isn't man. so your father isn't Steven Seagal, but it is Steven Seagal. Yeah, he's Steven Seagal, but not Steven Seagal. Yes. Not the actor. Exactly. <laughs> Douchebag no. martial artist. He's yeah, I wish we could do a podcast just about Steven Seagal. Uh, well, he's we'll, we'll, unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> we'll swing back round to that. Yeah. So uh, you're a filmmaker, yes. uh, you're a writer, you're a director. Something I truly respect, which is why I wanted to number one your brother Brian Seagal is someone who follows the the show sure. and uh, you know is really good on all the movie polls and stuff like that. So he brought up that you were a filmmaker living in LA where we are. Mm-hmm. This is what I love about LA and all the connections. Um, so he said, you know, you're a total film buff. Uh, but what, one thing I really respect, because I've kind of looked into what, what you do, it, you do you do it from scratch. Yeah. Like you're like, you know, yeah. in the trenches, you've, you write, direct, you've produced it. You've made films from like A to Z, right? Yeah, totally. No, I, I, you know, when I first moved out here, it was about 14, 15 years ago and I really just intended to be a novelist. That Are was you my serious? Goal. Oh, oh wow. by the way, where did you move from? Then? Clearwater. So you were in CW in Florida. Yeah. yeah. And when I was 18, I was like, I'm getting the fuck Jesus. out Jesus. And you came yeah. out to Hollywood? Yeah, I was done. 18, I was like, I'm out. So you wanted to be a writer, but like a yeah. novelist. Yeah, exactly. And then I, my roommate was a director. By the way, say hi to uh, all of our listeners. Hi, Adam all Segal. of our listeners. Hi, guys. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> yeah. So I... My roommate was a director and he said, you should write a script. Your writing's really good. I published like a science fiction novel when I was like 19. Nice. It was, it was, it was okay. Whatever. That's but cool. then my roommate was like, you should write He's a so script. Humble. Yeah, my roommate was like, you should write a script. And I said, okay. And it was so easy because like it was just so much less writing than a novel. I find it so much easier to it's write scripts. Vastly yeah. different. And so then like I knew there was, a, I kind of just felt like there was this big like club of the industry, right. which I had no part of and didn't have connections and didn't. And so I was just like, fuck, I'm just going to ask somebody for money and just try to make the movie. And so we made this movie with Aaron Paul, like before he was in Breaking Bad. So this is the first Daydreamer. one. Daydreamer. Yeah. That's and right. I wrote it and I handed it to my roommate and said, do you want to direct it? And he said, sure. And at the time, Your again, roommate directed it. Yeah. And at the time, <laughs> and he's one of my best friends, but you know, at the time I didn't realize what I was doing. Like, right. So then. I didn't. That one was okay. And it, hold on, hold on. That's that's not just fly over that. Sure. Aaron Paul is a huge <laughs> name now. Oh yeah. Um, Breaking Bad, of course. Yeah, he, he's, he's awesome. Yeah, he's a big star. Um, uh, I actually met him when I went hiking. One of the rare times I went hiking in uh, uh, Runyon Canyon. <laughs> that's amazing. You know, not it's long like the, ago. The secret celebrity uh, watch oh, yeah. hike yeah, where so you funny, meet people. Yeah, we yeah, like it's crazy. Bump, we like bumped into him literally. Yeah. But um. How did you get Aaron Paul? Because he's actually been around for oh, yeah. a while, acting yeah. for quite a while. He begged us for the role. Are you serious? Yeah, because he hadn't done anything. This was his first movie. That's and wow. he was friends with Brahman, and I'll never forget his That's audition. That's the director. Yeah, he came in and he auditioned, and he he was good, and we, and we liked him. And we had seen a lot of really shitty people for the lead. And then Aaron came in, and he was perfect. And then after he read, he was like, guys, like, 
just really get, please consider me like I, I really connect to this material <laughs> and you say that well I can okay. think of science bitch yeah and I'm watching Bojack Horseman right now uh, have you seen that show yeah he animates one of the voices and produces oh, it yeah it's no, he's, he's crazy. a big star now oh he's I mean, huge crazy yeah and, and yeah this was like his first feature lead was ours and I remember the Breaking Bad producers reached out to us for like his footage because the character was similar he played like kind of a drug addict so this but... is your intro this is yeah, your start this was the first film yeah you and wrote this film i wrote it your your yeah, roommate wrote and produced it what's the name of your roommate his name was brahman okay yeah and he directed the he film. directed it yeah wow yeah yeah and the female lead i recognized that was brahman's girlfriend at the time really wow. yeah <laughs> she was on vampire diaries i yeah. recognized her and several other things that i noticed yeah it's funny at the time when we made that movie she was way bigger star than Aaron. He's like serious? yeah, she yeah. was everybody knew She's her. She was in a movie back then called John Tucker Must Die. Yep. I rem- that's was, oh god, my yeah. wife loves that movie. I love that movie. But I was just doing a binge. I, was, I awesome. was just doing a binge on all the Mission Impossible movies. Yeah. You know, Fall Out in the theater. Yeah. It's huge. Aaron Paul randomly shows yeah. up in the third film as Michelle Monaghan's yeah. brother. Yeah. Oh. It's so funny. He did that like right after us i think or it was like simultaneously so or he had shot it yeah it was yeah. Like 2006 that we did ours 2007 that's crazy okay yeah. go on this yeah. is fascinating so it turned out fine we i learned a ton on it right. i mean first of all we shot on film which was a fucking nightmare and, right. and it, I mean, we ran out of film and it was like everything that could go wrong did how did and you fund it <laughs> a rich guy that i knew <laughs> i mean he literally <laughs> cut a check and i was kind of like uh, I don't know what to do with this. So we hired this film consultant. He helped us through a lot of the process. Okay. And then we made so many mistakes in the selling and I learned a lot from it. Right. And so that helped me moving forward to the next projects. And like, I've definitely learned a ton with each one. And I really feel like my last two were done the right way. Like with That's real crazy, money, man. real stars, you know, and, and I kind of learned the the equation to actually get a film made and make it be successful out here that's not so you really hit the ground running yeah okay yeah. and so never look back no i mean i i really love writing i mean even more so than directing I, and i love directing and i love film and directors but i'm definitely a writer that got into directing like so i found writing that, first yeah, and foremost is your passion yeah and i found a lot of directors come from different worlds they come from the film school world where they want to just be a director mm-hmm. which is whatever the cinematography world where they are great with the visuals right you're huge on cinematography yeah, right but i, I don't understand that. it like right. so when i like when i'm my directing style is very much working with the actors and like because i have wrote the script and i understand the characters and i can really give them insight but i don't know how to get a shot like I have to really lean on my cinematographer to, I can describe what I want, but I have no fucking clue even like generally how to get it. What a trippy feeling though. Like from, so was that your first script? Yeah. Okay. And to see, write a script. I'm kind of jealous, right? Cause I've written like a dozen <laughs> scripts, um, but it's okay. I'm turning the movie guy now. <laughs> exactly. I bring you movie news, yeah. but um, to write a script and then actually see those characters, those yeah. words brought from page into reality. That's in always film. surreal. Yeah, that's that's really. It's even weirder to see them like acting them, right? You know, like because I because you do and the reads Aaron and, Paul acting them. Yeah, well, and again at the time he was just a friend. I know, like it so was funny. more. It was much more surreal. The most surreal it's ever been was on my last film with Tom Berenger, which we're gonna get to. Mm. Yeah, just because it was funny because he's like this guy I've seen in a million Fucking things. Platoon man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but it's always surreal, and it's always surreal to, because like you you do the read throughs and stuff, and so they read them, but then when you see them really acting and getting emotional with your writing, that's strange and cool. That, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so how did it progress from there? I, I like the the way we're <laughs> this is going fluidly. Yeah. So I did two more very small movies after that. Which ones one, were those? So I did one called A Voice in the Dark. Which I don't even want to talk about because it was such a fucking catastrophe. <laughs> oh, you wrote that. Yeah, I wrote that one and I handed it off to a director who was very wrong for the material. And it was a train wreck. And we did it for like 60 grand. And we never finished it. And after that, that was the one where I said, you know what? I need to direct these. And I said, I don't know how to direct, but like. So why? Why did you come to that decision? Again, I'm fascinated with you as a filmmaker, how you've kind of taken on all the hats. The reason for that is, so 
the odds of finding an amazing director at the level, the level that I was at, which was right. the bottom, right. who's perfect for my material, were so infinitesimally small, like that I would rather them just be me. Like right. if it's going to be a catastrophe, let it be mine. At that least actually it's makes mine. sense. Yeah, yeah. Like I could get incredibly lucky and like find some fucking brilliant director who totally vibes with my work, mm. but the odds are against it. And it, and I twice it didn't happen. So you didn't have Spielberg lining up. So you were like, <laughs> why didn't I just take this on yeah. and do it? And so it was like, at least let me give it a shot. And I really enjoyed it. And the, right. so the first one I directed was called the two dogs. And again, it, we did it for like 75,000 and it was another lesson, which was it's so hard to finish a movie for that low of a budget. And so right. that one, we actually still are finishing. And that was five years ago. Like, oh, so it's not released No, yet. it's not. No, that one was still getting done. What kind of genre is that? So that movie, the brief pitch was, it was about a little girl. She was like, I think I wrote her as like 12 or 13. Okay. And she was in a really bad situation at home where she was being like sexually abused by her stepdad. Yeah. You write like dark material. <laughs> <laughs> Always. But Trippy so what material. this was about was this was the, the little angel and devil that you see people sitting on people's shoulders from they animal were, house. <laughs> yeah. They were real people and they were sitting in a room and they were trying to influence this girl. They're mm. watching her life on like a screen and trying to influence her in opposite directions. It was a really clever script That's cool. and it was cool and it was like low budget, but 70 you can't make a movie for 75 000. right it's fuck i mean like you can but you have to get incredibly lucky to so do this it. is in like post-production hell right now it basically. is we yeah we still need a little bit more money to even finish the post but after that push that one through because a it sounds will. like you like <laughs> yeah. it and b it sounds it fascinating was yeah, it, great, it was such a great script when after that what what happened and i guess this was kind of the start of my like legitimate film right. career was I was, I met this guy, I wrote this script called When the Starlight Ends, and I, I knew it was amazing. And like, it got me a manager, it got me a lawyer, they were like, this is fucking unbelievable. Right. And so, I met... So that was like your breakout script. Yeah, definitely. Which, Sorry. by the way, no, it's okay, before you carry on, I just saw that film. Yeah. I, I, I actually enjoyed that film. Look, okay, it's all over the place, and don't worry, I'm going to let you talk about it. Um, yeah. But here's specifically what really stood out for me. Um, very... Um, Terence Malick-esque sure. in my opinion I, I know because I've chatted he's with you before favorites. he's like yeah. one of your favorites Definitely. but it reminded me of how those kind of films are shot sure. and the dialogue is really rich I appreciate you, that you got some great dialogue there. so I enjoyed that film thank you I appreciate yeah. that I, that one I had a friend who was a casting director and I don't even really remember how I met her oh I think she cast the two dogs so I met her on that she, oh, from okay. the producer so she called me at one point and was like I got this really good looking Scottish guy <laughs> And he was nobody. Sam. Sam Hewen. Hewen. He's nobody. Yeah. And she said, you should meet him. And he, I met him at Bob's Big Boy and he was just fucking gushing about the script. Such he, a nice guy. Well, if Julie was here, Julie's a regular on our podcast. She's obsessed with Outlander. So, He's now a huge star. He's yeah. like Jon Snow of oh, Outlander. Yeah. So I'll tell you. So it was really funny. So I meet this guy, Bob's Big Boy. He loves my script. This I mean, was before Outlander. Yeah. So, so, so funny. You have good breaks and meeting people just before. Oh, so, so it's really funny. So he, I meet him. He's obsessed with my script. He sends me this like fucking novel of an email about how meaningful the script was to him. I was awesome. like, that's awesome, dude. He's like, let's make it. And I'm like, listen, here's the reality of this industry that I had learned. I got to have a fucking star in the lead. And it's nothing personal, but I can't get a movie made with, with like a no name actor. And I wasn't an asshole about it. I was right. just telling, and he's like, I totally understand. So he message he comes out to LA for pilot season one year. He comes out with me and actually does uh, my day job was as a PI. I was doing surveillance. He comes out which with which I me. want to talk about. Yeah, as well. we will. Awesome. So he comes out with me on a surveillance and he's kind of bummed. He's like, I might give up. I hate this. It's fucking hot. Like I not get booking shit. I'm like, Have you seen what this guy looks like? By I'm the like, way, Miss yeah, Money I mean, he's he's gorgeous. My my friends, my girlfriends are all obsessed with Outlander. Yeah, he's and, a good uh, yeah. I told him I was like, stick with it, and so. He messages me about six months later on Facebook and he says, hey, I just booked the lead on this show and I think it could be big. And I'm like, oh, I've heard, heard that a million times. Then I start seeing my other friends randomly posting pictures of him. And so I'm like, oh, what's going on here? Oh he booked God. the lead on this show, Outlander. So he comes out for the premiere 
Comic Con. He has. He's like, you got to come down, come to the premiere. I went with yeah, because they're based on books, right? Mm-hmm. Very popular, yeah. books. very popular books from like the seventies or something like that. Oh, it's that long ago. Yeah, wow. or maybe eighties. So I sit with them. They were, they were like the Twilight. Chicks love them. Well, yeah, they were the Twilight for that. It's a. So yeah, I'll get there. So <laughs> we we sit down at the premiere, and so I go to my manager at the time, and he says, and I say, you know, I'm this guy Sam Hewen. He wants to do this. He says, oh yeah, I know who this kid is. He's actually becoming a star. I said, oh, so. Perfect. He, he called. So my manager calls me one day and he says, I get the movie funded. It's done. If you're willing to cast Dr. Oz's daughter as the lead. I said, That's Dr. Oz's daughter. Yeah. Oh my God. Arabella Oz. <laughs> yeah. So I said, she's the main serious? actress oh, wow. in yeah, the film. So he says, yeah. And so she flies out the next day. Because the re- movie is essentially about a big breakup. Right. But okay. he's a writer. So that's why I really related to it. Totally. And it's kind of like what could have been and all kind of surreal stuff. Sorry. Continue. No, it's okay. Yeah, I was trying to get to it and watch it last night, but I didn't manage uh, it's to. It's on Amazon really Prime. You're, you're okay. So, yeah. So she flies out. We loved her. She's and not then, bad. No, she was great. And so then Dr. Oz and his brother-in-law, who runs a company called Armory Films, ended up financing it. Oh, wow. The, Dr. Oz of Loveline. K-Rock Loveline, no, that same Dr. No, Oz. the Dr. Oz show. As in Dr. Oh, the Oz, Dr. The Dr. Oz, Dr. Oz show. show. It's on it's daytime TV. Massive. Oh, see, I, I know him from the other yeah, thing, like a, Loveline and stuff. That's no, right. He has a huge TV show. You're thinking of Dr. Drew. Dr. Drew. Yeah. Okay, Dr. 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 Oz, is, Oz is 10 uh, times bigger. He is, okay. yeah. Yeah, so, he's way big. He's huge. So, okay. yeah, so we made it. And honestly, like, I would probably spend the next 30 minutes just talking shit about Oz and his brother-in-law. They, they, I'm not, it it wasn't a good experience. No, I mean, they fucked me every way possible. I didn't have final cut. They re-edited the film. They rewriting shit during on set. So it really was a challenge and yeah, it it turned out and it sucked too because they alienated Sam like hardcore. Like he actually tweeted like about a year and a half ago, just how bad the edit was and how much he loved my script and loved me. And he's like, I came on this project only because of Adam and Sam, like, like just as an example, like we were to go behind the curtain a little bit. We were a week from shooting and Sam had had an agreement in place at $75,000, what he was going to get paid to do this movie, which is nothing. For nothing. Him. Yeah. So I get a call from the producers and they said, we can only pay Sam 7,500. What? We got to defer the shitting rest. me? And they said, and you have to tell him. And I'm like, we're a week out. Like, what do you mean? And they're like, sorry, if if he doesn't agree, there's no movie. And I'm like, so I call Sam. I'm literally crying on the phone. And he's oh like, what's God. going on? He's like, what's going on? And I was like, we're, the movie's done. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm like, dude, they're going to defer like most of your money. And he's like, kind of quiet. I'm like, fuck. And he's like, I'm fine. He like, just, I'm making so much on Outlander. It's cool. And I'm like, dude, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, I'm in. I was like, you're wow, still in? what a nice See, guy, He loves the script. Oh, he loved, yeah, he he saved that project. I love you and love the times. script because that's amazing. Yeah, it was great. So that was an example that's of the type of shit man. we dealt with. Yeah, I know how messed up it yeah. gets. So that one, the good thing that that did for me, though, was that it established a little bit of a following of me, just sort of like through Sam and the Outlander fans, mm. like started to like me. Just because I made a movie with this guy, because those fans are that's very cool, out yeah. of control. Oh, huge! Now. <laughs> Julian it's, Sherman is like a, yeah, it's a on hardcore like fan. Season oh, four or no something. Idea. Season four or five. Yeah, just to give you an example of how crazy those fans are. So one of my next projects is one that I'm producing, and an actor named Graham McTavish. Who oh, was, I know him. Yeah, he had like a two season arc on Outlander, and he was in my movie. He was in my last one, Sargasso. Oh, cool. And after we did it, he reached out to me and he was like, dude, you're a go-getter. You actually get movies made. Would you produce my directorial debut? I said, sure. So we kind of strategized and I said, we should crowdsource because these Outlander fans mm-hmm. love you. And he's like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. So we set up a two-month Indiegogo, which is going now, where I'm, to try to raise a hundred grand, just as like development money, sort of mm-hmm. get us started. We're a month in and we're at 160 grand. Wow. Awesome. Promote it. Nice. What is it? I, I will. It's on my Instagram. If you, honestly, the best way to do it is follow me at Soaring Siegel. Like, and uh, the film's called This Guest of Summer. It's on Indiegogo. But we're killing it with yeah, that. Yeah, it's awesome, so, man. But that's all Outlander. And Donate. He was, yeah, he was on The Hobbit. Or he was in The Hobbit, That's too. where I know him from. The from The Hobbit. Yeah. yeah. He was... Uh, I know him from something other than Outlander. He's on the show Preacher as well. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's Absolutely. The, the comics were one of my favorites. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I read them when I was a kid. So, so, yeah. So, When the Starlight Ends was 
definitely the most learning of learning experiences right. for me. So it was heartbreaking, but let me, can I ask you a few questions yeah. about no, um, of course. when the starlight ends? Just water, absolutely. Just cause I'm fascinated about that. Um, but one thing I'm also really interested in, it was so cool to see David Arquette in that <laughs> film. He's got these really cool, but quiet scenes where he just chats with Sam Hewen. Uh, How did yeah. you get David Arquette in this movie? So it's actually really funny. So that role was actually Gavin Rossdale. Are you serious? Bush. Yeah. And so Gavin and I had... <laughs> That's so random. Gavin and I had... My He's manager, done a few films. Yeah. My manager knew him. I'd sat down with him. We'd rehearsed. He loved the script. He's like, I love this man. Do you live like right on Hollywood Boulevard? No. <laughs> no. No, not at all. He texts, great connection. He texts me, I want to say like two or three days before production. And he says, hey, man, I'm having some really big personal problems. I got to back out. Oh, like Unbeknownst to me, he was getting a divorce. Oh, this is the breakup from Gwen Stefani. But I'm oh like, my God. and I'm like, Gavin, like, dude, like we're going to production. We've rehearsed. Like you can't do this. And he's like, no, no, no I'm sorry, man. I'll make it up to you. I was like, you fucking asshole. So he backs out. So I call my manager desperately, and I'm just like, do we need it? So, and he, my manager happens to be really good friends with Arquette. He was like in his wedding. And he's oh, like, what about so Arquette? Funny. And Arquette was. <laughs> He <laughs> was interesting on set. Was I, he funny? He's he's very quirky, that guy, right? He, yeah, he was odd. Uh, he, I just love him as Dewey man, man in the screen no. movies. No, he's great. He's always he, Dewey. He, he was he very good in the Dewey. movie too. And Sean Patrick Flannery was amazing. I was going to ask you he, about him. He, yeah, so he's in it as well. He's from Boondock Saints. He oh. was like the pro of pros. He like showed up. He was good, ready to rock. Like he was great. That surreal yeah. scene where they kind of swap yeah. personalities. Yeah, because again, I just saw this movie a few yeah. days ago. Yeah, he was good, man. He he acted he's his awesome. pants off in that film. Yeah, he was great. He was a dream. He was great on set, and yeah, he was magnificent that's so, great that's yeah. cool yeah all right so when the starlight ends happened you yeah. you made it, <laughs> it so made. i mean here's the killer question sure. which i think i kind of know from what you said but the the final edit then that people are going to watch on amazon prime you can see it right now that's not your script fully well like no. how much is that like your script uh, or what you wanted i mean really? i did i did not edit that movie like no. I didn't even sit on sit in on the editing session. They man. took it from that me. I, I sent them a director's cut, which everybody loved. Sam Why loved. Do people do that. It's, it's general it's honestly, rhetorical question. No, it's honestly like I real. I, I, trust me, I thought about it for a year afterward, yeah, and it, I, my only explanation is that people who are very rich or successful in a certain field start to believe that they're great at everything, right? And that but it, they're not. That, well, uh, you can't tell them that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. And so that's the only explanation. Like, it shouldn't have happened. That's why Everyone... Ishtar happened, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my biggest my biggest philosophy as a director overall is let people do their job. Right. Yes, like, exactly. hire the right people and let them do their fucking job. And you're always going to run into problems on set when I tell the DP to move a light or the costume designer, you know, tells the prop person that this prop doesn't match their costume. Right. And that, that's when you encounter problems. If you hire people who are good at their job, just stay out of their way. Like yeah, that's really exactly. my philosophy. And it was not, you know, and, and my biggest mistake on when the starlight ends was that I saw the writing on the wall before we even started shooting. It sounds like with the producers or the people who yeah. basically have all the control, yeah. that's where it kind of goes to shit when you're not on the same page. Well, is that right? Yeah, it is. And it's just because I'm so fascinated in the yeah. filmmaking yeah. process. It's frustrating on that one, too, because I knew it was coming because they wanted to change the script right. like a month before. Shooting. And everyone else loved the script. Yeah, And, and I knew they, they were doing it for Arabella for like a starring role for her. Mm. But I was so desperate to make this fucking movie. I'd been trying for f three or four years that I said yes. And and I really probably should have said no. It's right. such a weird situation that like it's done great things for my career in a lot of ways, but. What a learning experience. Yeah, it's just. It's it, really trial and error that film, it sounds yeah. like. But the good news, because we'll move on from that movie, yeah. is it does sound like it, it put you on the map. It you did. established some really good contacts yeah. and communication lines. And then from there, where did you go? Yeah. And just on that note, it's actually funny. It, it's so hard to make a movie that you start investors actually respect the fact that you can just do it. And so right. like it, it even just like well, successful or not, just the fact that you can get through it and make it from point a to point b 
it, you know, helps well, you move. That's forward. what I'm so impressed by. Yeah, like, seriously. I mean, dude, keep going. Man. No, I'm I think trying. You're going to have your me. big, huge <laughs> movie, but the fact that you, you're, especially yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. So after Starlight, I I did a movie called Sargasso, and the the sort of I'm I'm like excited about this film. And Me too. But tell us about because it. Because I actually have Final too, Cut, yeah. so I'm excited about nice. it. Too. So you have Final Cut, so you have yeah. much more control over this. Let's yeah, that, you I learned from my you learned. Yeah. So with Sargasso, so my day job, like I told you, I was a PI for about 15 years, where I would do surveillance on people for 15 years since in I moved Hollywood. out here. Yeah, since I moved out. So, so I I'm, I have to hear a lot about this. I was like a Nancy <laughs> Drew fanatic. And I read every spy novel you I can I read all imagine. the Hardy Boys. Okay, first of all, why did you get this job? Yeah. Why did you do it for How? so long? How? So I needed a day job that was flexible. Oh, good. I'm going to be a private here, investigator. Yeah. you know. How does was, one become that? It's, you know, it was an insurance adjusting firm. And, oh, it, okay. and the people who owned it were friends of my parents. I know some people who interview there. Yeah. So they had a small faction of the company that was PIs. And basically they were like, you sit in your car and... Watch I was people. like, great, I read. So I was like, I can sit in my car and read. Stick my camera out the window when somebody comes out of their house, get video of them, tail them around town. I stuck with it. I got licensed. I started kind of my own business. And it was really flexible, which was good. Nice. And so I was able to write and try to make movies and do that whole thing while I was being a PI. And it's a miserable job. I mean, it's How like, seedy would that job be in Hollywood? Yeah, yeah it's exactly. crazy. Yeah. Is and it I, like everything, you know, you see all the stuff in the movies, but is it like that and some or not no, really? No, this or? is workers' comp fraud. Okay. So this uh, is poor Mexican people that work in factories that just pretend sad. they get hurt and you follow them around. It is sad. Right. Yeah. So, and that actually is a salient point that I'll say. So I think. So what happened was I did this job for a long time and gotcha. I'd go to meetings and I'd meet producers and whatever. And they'd say, oh, it's so fucking cool. You're a PI. It's got to be exciting. You're chasing <laughs> right? people you around with that. a gun. Did you like, like have no. a trench coat and a No, top that's the hat thing. And... It was fucking boring as shit. <laughs> yeah. And so. Adam, you're ruining it. <laughs> I know. And so and so they <laughs> would. The always, idea was so cool. I know. Yeah. And so they would always say, you should sit down and write a script about it. And it's the last thing I wanted to write about. It was right. like, it's, I fucking hate it. So finally. I got so bored and depressed and just over it that I was like, I'm going to write a script about how boring and depressing and shitty this industry is and insurance and fucking following people around and, you know, and it's fucked. And Probably so that was, that was the script. And so it's called Sargasso. What does that mean? So the Sargasso Sea is a sea that where the seaweed grows really thick all the way up to the surface. And in the time of like pirates, They'd sail in and their ships would get stuck and everybody would die because you couldn't move. Like oh, the ship. Wow. And so mm. Behringer has a monologue about sitting on the five freeway in traffic. And now he's just like, I'm just fucking sitting here, just stuck. I can't go anywhere. It's like the Sargasso Sea. Oh, so, gotcha. And that's kind of a metaphor for, you know, the industry and just right. like this dead end crazy job. You don't know what the fuck is going yeah, on, what absolutely. you're even doing. You're mm -hmm. like, you, you, you kind of like Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, you get video of somebody and you're ruining some guy's life, but you know, you don't. And then this company's having to close its doors because they can't afford their workers' comp rates. And so, like, that's the movie. It's fucking depressing. But, right. but so I got a buddy who is rich and I was just at his house watching football. I have a lot of rich buddies. <laughs> <laughs> Not as many as I wish I had. So I, was, <laughs> I sat there, I was at his house watching football and I started talking to him about the script and he's like, this sounds fucking amazing. How much do you need to make it? I was like, I have no idea. Probably like half a million. He's like, all right, I'll probably give you like 250. Wow. Okay. So that was kind More of the impetus. Like that. Yeah. I know. Well, he read the script and he was like, it's So I was going to ask you about your like fundraising process, but it kind of sounds like they happen quite. <laughs> you got quite... a bit lucky. Well, it sounds like they happen <laughs> fluidly. Like you don't do events and stuff. Because so, you fund these films or you yeah. find the funding I, yourself, right? I fucking hate the whole like, of social aspect of Hollywood. Like I can't yeah. go to these networking things. Mm. I just don't, I don't like the schmoozing. I and understand. Fucking, like, and I so, hate that too. I, I think you're right that I got lucky to an extent, but also a lot of filmmakers have rich friends. Totally. And it's actually really hard to get somebody excited enough. I think about you have project. good material, right. too. I have good not that actually no, makes good, sense. I have yeah. good material and I'm really passionate about it. Yeah, and right. that tends to get, and also like, the crazy I'm pretty good with like, seeing what the button is for that particular investor and it's all different and i've actually got them in tiers now the top tier of an investor is just the pure investor who wants to invest for the sake of art and how right. great a script is that's like megan ellison there's right. no other ones like literally 
the next year down is business. And they're the ones who are like, yeah, get us Tom Cruise, get Jake Gyllenhaal in your movie. I know I'm going to make money. Give us a star. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then the next tiers down are a vast majority of like, I want to fuck hot actresses. I want to go to the festivals and, you know, I'm rich and I want to be able to tell my other rich friends that I'm a film producer. Right. These are all legitimate buttons. People have put it. money into my Absolutely. movies for all these reasons. You know, there's, I have a, a mistress or a daughter or a cousin who I want to put in the movie. These right. are all valid reasons and people right. get films made by this. So these are, so, so the trick is seeing what that button is, getting it and deciding whether you're willing to push it and then right. pushing it. Yeah, and so, and also, as you said, just really having the passion for right. it. Material and the passion are number one. Right. And, yeah. and and there's a very common thing in Hollywood of like, oh, I'm so great, but I don't have the opportunity. And, you know, I, I like there's so many t- uh, ultra talented people that never get a chance. It's not, in my opinion, entirely true. Right. I think there's a lot of people who think they're incredibly talented right. and don't have an opportunity. <laughs> true, great material gets where it needs to be it does and a lot of shit does too and that's the confusing part but those are the guys who are just really good at pitching and takes persistence and actually continuing after you've been kicked down and just carrying on and learning the hard way i mean you it sounds like you really learned the hard way no i definitely did persistence is the number one thing (laughs) too i mean above all like that that's the only like talent is here and then persistence is a half inch above it they're close but persistence is the number one and like anyone i've ever worked with will tell you that i'm the most persistent person when it comes to my shit and getting it made i've fucking been kicked in the nuts so Dude, many that's, times that's admirable no <laughs> all right so you're at your rich friend's house watching football <laughs> and then tony christopoulos isn't it? um so yeah so he was like i dig the story let me read the script he reads the script he's like this is fucking great how much do you need i you know we went into it so i approached sargasso a little differently than starlight as well which was i learned by having sam in my movie that you're really you're almost a criminal if you're making a movie without a star in it Right in this industry, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna lose your investors' money. Period, yeah, and totally. and that's not entirely true because you could make Napoleon Dynamite or the Blair Witch Project. You're not going to. The odds are so small. So right. the way to those are like one in a million. Those yeah. films, yeah. So the way to protect your investor is to get stars. And right. so I, from the very beginning on Sargasso, the first thing I did usually the the sort of novice way of making a film is i find the money i make the movie i hire a sales agent i try to sell it and that's where they fall apart script comes first of course sorry yeah, yeah. so script money movie sales agent sale right gotcha and the, and it's a terrible way of doing it because you you're just rolling the dice as far as selling it so what i did was i hired a sales agent before i even started filming and i said who do i need to get what actors are in this range where we can afford them and they will mm, help, help sell, sell the, the film. Movie. Help elevate yeah. the that movie. That makes sense. 100%. Pitch, yeah. I, in, and it was different for a couple of reasons with this one because I'd learned it with Sam and also this investor is one of my closest friends. And so I was like, I, I got to make this guy. Good money. friends, Adam. I'm yeah. telling you. He's a, he's a good guy. <laughs> so I hired a sales agent. We got Jeremy Sumter. And then we got Tom Berenger and Berenger, the the Berenger experience was so strange. How did you get Tom Berenger? Because Tom Berenger, I mean, look, granted, he's not like headlining films like he did, but A, he's always working. Well, he was an inception. Yeah, that was amazing. He's always working. um, And I mean, he's in huge films. He's been working since the 70s, 80s. Platoon, obviously. Shattered. I love that movie. I remember his name from like every preview I ever saw on a video. But Tom Berenger. What were the the series of films he did? It started with Billy Zane. Sniper. Yeah, they made like seven of them. Yeah, That's Sniper awesome were huge. Movie. Major League. Oh, yeah, Major Curtis. League. Oh, yeah. He was in the big chill. Something with Alley. He did like a really yeah. good thriller. Well, the point, I mean, he's probably made like a yeah. hundred movies. Yeah, yeah he's a legend. You're right. He's a legend. He's an icon. So, so how so did that happen? really strange. <laughs> well, so the sales agent that I worked with knew his manager, and his manager was actually kind of pushing Tom. And manager read the script, loved the script. He's like, I think Tom would like this. And Tom's rate is generally, you know, about a... 200 to 250,000 to do a movie like this. We said, 
<laughs> we can do about 40. Or you 50. laughed. Yeah, we said we can do about 40 or 50 for him. And the manager said, hmm, let me give Tom the script. He calls us back. He's like, Tom wants to do it. Wow. I'm like, so. He must my, have loved the script. Well, that's what a sane person would think. By the way, my mind works. I was like, he must be desperate for money. Like he needs like a check. Tom Berenger. So, <laughs> to trust me. So, so when you have an actor like that and kind of the David Arquette thing, like I, you don't know what you're going to get because right. you're paying them below their rate. Behringer lives in North Carolina. He's going to fly across the country. And you wonder like, how fucking committed is this guy going to oh, be? See, he's not right. even in the whole Hollywood scene. Not at all. Oh, that's smart. Behringer's like, no, he must be in his what? 60s, 70s. Yeah. 60s, yeah. yeah. Wow. So I'm just like, I have no clue what I'm going to get. So we're about, a, we're about two or three weeks out from shooting. And, I finally get to talk to him on the phone. His manager says, Tom wants to talk to you. I talk to him on the phone. He knows every line, which is... Of the script. I would, yeah, and wow. I'd like to say that that's not rare. Unbelievably rare. And I he's believe that, reading yeah. lines to me on the phone. And I'm like, oh, fuck, he actually knows his lines. This is amazing. So and then he's like doing... So, he want, He's like, do you mind if I tweak some lines and stuff? And he's just going on and on about how much he loves the character, loves the script. I'm like, that's great. He comes out, sweet, very sweet guy. Like ultra hardcore Republican. So I can see why he moved from LA. <laughs> He's really fucking cool. And just like really praising the script a lot. And I could tell. So when we start shooting, it was miserable for him because this is indie filmmaking. I mean, we're doing three takes, right? Like we're hustling, you know, it's not a studio. Film. It's not lavish at all. Not at all. <laughs> So he's miserable, but but he I can tell he loves his character so much that he he's passion really for the script. and his performance is amazing. And he had people crying on set. I mean, he's, he kills it. That's awesome. Man. And it was really cool with Tom because one day when he was driving, we we had a driver picking him up who was one of our producers. That's indie filmmaking, <laughs> and he said, "Adam, man, Tom said something so cool this morning." He said, "I think." Because he, you know, he's just, he's like sixty-seven or something like that. He said, mm. "He said I think this is going to be my last great role." Wow. This movie. And I was like, that's amazing that's for awesome, a guy man. who's fucking had like, who's done yeah. 50, 60 movies yeah. and is just Many like a legend. Ones. Oh yeah. And his stories. I mean, he talked about working with Oliver Stone and just like, you know, he, Chris, Chris Nolan. And it was cool. And then he, he sent me this really sweet text. I posted it on my Instagram where he was kind of praising the script. And he said, I think you're our next Tennessee Williams. I was like, okay, man, thank what you. What an acknowledgement for you though, <laughs> that man. That was nice from Parenter. Awesome. And like, also this shows you continuing after you know, where the starlight oh, yeah. ends. Yeah. yeah. No, Talk totally. About persistence, man. No, 100%. And so Sargasso... Good old Berenger, man. <laughs> he's the man. I, I I love the guy. And so and our cast was great because it was Tom Berenger, it was Jeremy Sumter, who... I know that name. Fill so me Sumter, in. it's funny. I didn't know... I kind of peripherally knew who he was. His mo his biggest role, strangely enough, was about... I don't say it was about 10, 12 years ago. He was Peter Pan in like a big studio oh thing. the one with jason isaacs probably yeah yeah so yeah. what it's i knew, pretty good actually yeah so what i knew him from though he was in one of my favorite movies called frailty this oh paxton. i've seen that with matthew so mcconaughey bill yeah. paxton directed yeah. that yeah so he was one of the kids that was his first role it's good film then he was on friday night lights which was my favorite oh, show I love friday oh night i saw lights. the movie i what, never what saw was the he show friday night lights? he was the kid with the rich dad who kind of muscles him to be quarterback. He oh, had like yeah, a yeah. two or three season arc on that. Yeah. And so I was like, this kid's in one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite shows. Yeah. Like, it's let's amazing. fucking get let's him. Do it. So man. he came in and he was the polar opposite of Behringer. He was great to work with, but he did not learn lines. Are they like partners together? Oh, yeah. he's film? So Behringer plays like his mentor. And Got Jeremy's it. like the young kind of like, you know still sort of optimistic pi and he falls like in, seven man <laughs> yeah he falls in love with this girl that he's doing surveillance on this super talented actress named amber sweet and she kind of really screws him over he tries to and he tries to like help her by getting her involved in an insurance fraud and then she does it and kind of cuts him out of it and gotcha so but yeah i mean it was a great experience and, we, and then richard portnow who's like one of the most famous character actors i know that it? name yeah. and graham mctavish who is fucking unbelievable. And Graham, just really quick, this fucking guy, his his scene was, and I'm not really exaggerating here, it was basically almost a five-page monologue because he's talking to Jeremy and Jeremy's going, uh-huh, yeah, okay. But, but he's telling a story about an injured worker in his factory. And Graham shows up, does it perfectly in a flawless Russian accent. Graham's not Russian. Oh, wow, <laughs> <laughs> and on the first take, I'm like looking at my first AD and I'm like, 
I Damn. got it. It's perfect, but I don't want him to think I'm an amateur. So like, let's do it a couple more times. But he was amazing. <laughs> You're going to use that first take. Uh, and he was unreal. And so, and he was just so sweet to everyone on set. And so I was like, I got to work with this guy again. And then sure enough, he emails me you a script. You guys bonded, like, right? Yeah. yeah. And he emails me a script. And I'm going to direct this. And so now I'm producing that. We're shooting that one early, probably late this year, actually. That's so, so cool. Yeah. Okay. So Sargazzo is your latest yeah. film. When's it coming? It's in post. So we just started sound. So our plan with Sargasso, there's a big, uh, big film market called AFM, which is out here. It's in October, kind of late October. It's where a lot of films get sold, especially at this budget level. So our goal is to have it done and sold by AFM. Realistically, it gets released probably early next year, which would be about a year after we shot it, which is pretty standard. Are you going to try and get a theatrical release or on demand? Yeah, we're going to go after a theatrical. The things we have going for us with Sargasso is... Behringer. Yeah, but but not just Behringer. It's Behringer in a really dramatic role. And it's Behringer not playing like an action sniper. Like it's Behringer. I mean, he really... His performance is great. He like everybody that sees it. it goes, holy yeah. fuck. I didn't know Behringer kind of still had this. It could be as big, like huge, like yeah. comeback. No, like, totally. I mean, it. you never know. But hey, I'm ruling like, for you, man. He crushed it. Yeah, yeah that's so, awesome. Yeah, so that's my last one. And then I've got a couple that I'm sort of, I've been doing a lot of sort of paid writing gigs. That's my, I was writing a script for Giovanni Rubisi. I was doing for some small production companies, producers. Nice. I've got a couple of, the next one of mine that I wrote and want to direct is called The Chariot. We're casting that one now, fundraising. I have Amy Smart attached for the female. Oh, I love her. That one. Yeah, she's great. And so that one's kind of... You know Amy Smart? Mm-mm. Butterfly Effect. Mm. And Crank. Yeah, Crank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> crank. So we're trying to we're trying to get that one off the ground. And then I'm producing Grams. I've just produced a pilot that was actually written and directed by my lead actress in Sargasso. And we're pitching that one to some web series. I actually have a lot of these projects going on. I'm actually finally just starting to confront the fact that I need to start a production company. Cause yeah, I've been, cause you're wearing the whole producer hat. And now. I've been producing all these movies. Are you doing I'm, that out of necessity or have you kind of found a bug for producing? No, I hate producing. I'm doing it more <laughs> so just like, because I am, because people right. are starting to bring me projects that are not mine and asking if I can help them make them. Like and you want to. Yeah. And like, help them. it's, there's money. And so yeah. I'd rather be doing that than surveillance. You know, right. it's like, I want to write and direct and then sure, I'll take projects on and yeah. produce and help them get financed to sort of sustain between them. And so starting my own production company, we're kind of start the very beginnings of that because i'm also just busy with writing and fucking posting we didn't even mention that as all this has happened because again i I know a little about you through your brother then you're married (laughs) you have like a bunch of kids i have a bunch of kids yeah i have a juggling a bunch of balls in the air i have a five-year-old and one-year-old twins oh my god you have twins yeah boy and girl yeah that's awesome i mean dude that's a lot in hollywood yeah that's great man a lot just had to mention that no it's true man it's it's crazy so that's nuts yeah yeah okay so uh i want to kind of get a a concept here just of where you kind of consider you're going like 10 years down the road because you you wear so many hats what's your real kind of goal or aspiration is it as a writer or like what are you looking for it's writer director now at this point i i want to my biggest mission statement, and I was actually just thinking about this the other day because I have this guy who wanted to possibly like invest in my production company. And he was kind of like, what's your sort of goal for the company? Right. And my biggest thing as an artist is originality. Like I'll never do a remake. I'll never do an adaptation even really. Never like a re- I fucking hate that shit. I just mm. want to do. Original ideas. Yeah, things that haven't been seen. That's my biggest. That's so unique in Please. Hollywood. Yeah, it's my <laughs> biggest goal. I mean, that's my biggest like drive like as an artist. Right. So my that. ideal, I always say this, my ideal career is David Lynch, but making movies that are slightly more comprehensible a little bit more understandable <laughs> i love david lynch i mean hey, blue, blue velvet, velvet it's one of my favorite movies oh, dude. yeah high and, five yeah mulholland drive i love i love, I love I like... that movie but i don't understand it Me blue either. velvet but... as confusing as it is i love the that's, film that's the frustrating thing about mulholland drive i mean it's legitimately impossible to figure out i oh, watched there's... it a week ago for the first time because it's it was so famous deranged. it's great and i called to- i texted well tony and i'm like 
do you understand this movie? He's like, oh, no, no one does. <laughs> no. I'm like, as far as I no, get like, it, but it's good. it goes backwards, but it doesn't. And yeah. I'm so confused. But it's very different. And so that, so for me, I, I, de I definitely strive to make films like that that are different, but yeah. not quite A little quite more that. understandable. Yeah. And so that's really, I, I'd love to be writing and directing one film a year or, mm. or every two years or whatever. Have a production are, company yeah, with original more, ideas. Having more, I love that. Having more money, you know, definitely like uh, I'd love to be making films in the five to ten million range. That's for yeah. me like because I Which again for Hollywood movies, that's nothing. Yeah, but, but that gives me, you something to really make a great film. There's such a strange sort of dichotomy between studio films and uh, and indies because I mean I do these five hundred to seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar indies and it's, it's a fucking nightmare. I mean you're yeah. just killing yourself to get they spend 400 to, million dollars on avengers infinity that's War. what i'm saying right. so I mean, then you get these over two billion where, <laughs> then you get you get these studio films where i mean the catering budget for that film is probably three times my budget for yeah, my clerks films. was clerks was fifty thousand dollars right <laughs> and and that's the that's the sort of like ultimate like and clerks that script is just Shot in a quick unreal. stop you know <laughs> yeah it's amazing but yeah, I mean that would be my idea. Would be doing movies in the five to ten million original concepts. Um, you know, I tend to gravitate towards sci-fi. It's one of my favorite genres. The 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 next one I'm doing, which is interesting, because the films you've done are more like grounded dramas. I right? know, and so it's funny. And I love Starlight. And I love Sargasso. The next one that I want to do, Chariot. It's called The Chariot. This will really sort of be my in be the introduction to me as an artist this is the what's most, like a taste of it this is the most adam siegel movie <laughs> for sure that i will have done and so it's, you have a good director name adam yeah. siegel i hope so yeah it's it's a very dark strange drama about this kid who keeps having the same dream over and over again and that's the the entry point to it and he's he's seeing a therapist trying to figure out why he moves into this apartment building and it's full of these really diverse characters. There's like a god that lives in there and like a guy who claims he's a superhero and this woman who wears this like heavy steel mask. And so it's this very strange sort of like collection of people that live in this building and we learn a little bit about them. And it's a, I mean, this is not even describing the story of the film. The story of the film is about this like this vast corporation that are kind of like manipulating people's memories that that's kind of the and right. again like this is a terrible pitch but it's oh it's cool it's uh it, it's dark it's atmospheric it's kind of like, like a neil gaiman-esque mm. very yeah. much so it's it's my a, favorite author uh, i know him a little bit i email yeah, with i grew up in england so i know his whole family <laughs> oh that's amazing yeah. that's yeah, yeah he's great he's really he gave me some really he gave me kind words when I was just starting. He read some of my stuff, and he's like, "Stick with it, man. It's not terrible." I'm I was telling like, you, man, so you much. got good, good contacts. Good, good he, he, told me, he told me I don't suck, and I was like, "Oh fuck, I'll take it." That's amazing. Yeah, it, this one is like a. It's like I, I compare it, it's like Barton Fink and Jacob's Ladder. Oh, I love Jacob's Ladder. Barton <laughs> Fink, I'm not a fan of. Oh my god, what's wrong with you? Uh, come on, come on, you, you, you're in the minority. There is definitely no a way. group of people that movie, who like, love that Sundance. movie. I mean, it was, it was. Oh, like... sorry, sorry. I'm thinking of Baron Munchausen. Oh, well, that yeah, movie's yeah. amazing too. <laughs> no, but Barton Fink Barton is with, Fink um, is with Goodman and Turturro. It's Turturro, first... John Turturro, yeah, one of the, the first Cohen brothers. One of the first Cohen. Fantastic film. It's amazing. Yeah, with John Goodman running down the hallway. Yeah, no, I love that movie. Yeah, Baron Munchausen. I could see. I mean, that I, is quite a diverse movie. I, I love Terry Gilliam. Yeah, like I love him. He's amazing. he's one of the Monty Python guys. Mm -hmm. yeah, and he did Twelve Monkeys. Monkeys. He did, yeah, yeah, he did Brazil. I mean, yeah. he's a legend. But but Baron Munchausen's definitely the, <laughs> out the there. No, no, Barton Fink is Barton great. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, so it's like a Barton Fink I stand meets corrected. Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder. Have you seen that film? Mm -mm. It's, uh, Tim Robbins. That is a messed up fucking yeah, it's movie. A fucking man. scary movie. Crazy ass twist. I he, like those. He, you know, I like those. Yeah, it's about this guy who goes to Vietnam and they experiment on the soldiers there, oh, wow. and it fucks him up. Like yeah. he comes back and he's like has the, all these horrifying visions, and it, it it has a really great twist at the end. Awesome yeah, twist. Cool. That's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. That's, cool. that's, so that's cool. my next one that I'm hoping to do and that'll be the that'll be the sort of the one that i think establishes really what my oh, maybe this is. one will as well yeah totally yeah keep going man i love um, your original voice and i, I see your passion which sure. i really admire do you have like a name in mind for your production company working on that right okay. now i'm partnering with a girl 
who her mother passed away when she was young and her mom's name was Lee. And my daughter, my oldest daughter, Pixie, her middle name's Ren, W-R-E-N. So we were thinking about Ren Lee. That was kind of our our possible, but it's not final yet. We're still working on it. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, good. Well, look, as we wind down, I mean, that's fantastic. And where can people find you again? Mostly on Instagram. That's the one I'm the most active on. And I post behind the scenes and I post, you know, updates and stuff like that. That's just Adam Seagal. Uh, you can search by name. Yeah, it's my my tag is Soaring Seagull, like S O A R I N G S I G A L. I post stills from my movies. I I post a lot of ki- pictures of my kids, but I post behind the scenes and updates. And I'm not I'm on Twitter, but I'm not active. I'm on Facebook, but I fucking hate Facebook <laughs> and I don't use it much. But so yeah, Instagram's the easiest way. To All find right, me. very cool. Well, look, I wouldn't be Tony the movie guy. It'd be remiss of me not to talk about movies. No, that's my favorite thing. You so, I, and I love how we just kind of <laughs> fluidly went into your career, kind of sure. over a chronological sequence. Which again, I actually found fascinating. That's why I was like, you know what? Actually, I'm going to take a deep dive into this because you're just, no, you're just one of these aspiring filmmakers, people sure. who's actually taken it from A to Z. Sure. Which I'm it's telling you, man, it's a fascinating and it be it super impressive. <laughs> Because I've seen hundreds of friends and yeah. other and people crash and inspiring, especially to other people in the industry who want to make it oh, yeah. in various forms. That's you know? a great point. Any advice for because a lot of people who listen to the podcast are yeah. aspiring writers, directors, actors. producers, actors. Any advice you want to give them on this process? Yeah, I mean, my the, the, I could do three of these podcasts on advice. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of individual things I can tell you like tips for actually how to get a film made as far as overall philosophy. She touched on it before. Persistence is the number one thing. You've got to have, an insane amount of belief in yourself and which you really do i can see that integrity having your integrity mine's actually too bad like i actually when somebody when somebody (laughs) doesn't like my work i see it as a reflection of how awful they are like i (laughs) no, like actually i find them unintelligent i'm like you didn't like my script i bet you tarantino does too yeah Yeah, (laughs) it's awful but 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 it takes somewhere near that level of fanaticism to be able to withstand the amount of bullshit you're gonna you have to other than that, I mean, this may not be good advice, but I would say try to do something original. Don't fucking – please don't fucking see a movie Which and go, so I want to make something like this. Age. Don't do not do that. I know, don't see a, see a movie and go, I want to make something different than this. Please. No. I have so many friends who go, oh, did you see A Quiet Place? Let's make a movie where they don't talk. I'm like, no, go fuck yourself. They yeah. just did Find that. something else. Go fucking. He created that. Work in a McDonald's, please. Don't. <laughs> I'm, I get upset about it. I'm like, don't. Because somebody's going to give you money that they should have given me right. for a better idea that's original. Like, please. And don't take this advice because, like, it's harder to go this route. I've gotten so many shitty horror and family comedy and stuff that offers to write and direct. And I pass on it because I don't want to do that shit. Right. But. I, I think you don't necessarily if, advise to do that. If you want to have a sustained career, though, and if you want to really, really succeed in the long term, you do have to have an original voice to an extent. Mm-hmm. Like, right. you can only make it so far copying and, you know, doing worse versions of shit that's already been successful. Those would be my two my two biggest pieces of advice. That's good advice, man. Uh, persistence, <laughs> I think, is a huge point. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. I want to know about kind of, we're going to wind down. We've got a few more minutes, but I'm interested in kind of what makes you tick your, uh, you know, aspirations, influences, especially because you, you know, writing, directing, uh, who are some of your favorite directors or writers? My favorite director of all time, very predictably is Kubrick. Oh, Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. I mean, he's to me, he's just like came in and made like the best movie in like four different genres and then just was like, okay, bye. You know, like. He it, not not literally, but like well, top his three films in are in basically every single genre, which okay, is unreal. I find Kubrick fascinating. Don't get me wrong; I love Kubrick. One thing I don't like, no, 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 no I love Kubrick. Okay. But one thing <laughs> I don't like, like is he's automatically just considered one of the best directors of all time because he is. So, and I won't disagree with you. He's definitely in my top hundred. No, I'm joking. Oh, but well, that's the thing. Or well, I have a different kind of sensibility on films, which I've discussed yeah. a lot on the podcast. Um, 2001: A Space Odyssey is like a, a masterpiece of visuals. 
Uh, but I, you know, I've seen it two or three times. Clockwork Orange is one of the most demented yeah. movies in the world, but for some yeah. reason, I love that movie. Well, and I'll I'll tell you, I mean, as 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 I guess sort of blasphemous as it is, two thousand one's one of my least favorite Cuban right. movies, and and I know it's often. Considered I mean, I can't best. watch that movie over and over. I don't know what yeah. the fuck's going on. But but I so. What are your favorite so films set, of his? So set that movie aside because yeah. it is it is an incredible achievement and visually and, 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 it's stunning, well, especially visually, fifty years ago. That's the thing, visually and philosophically. Right. I mean, it's amazing, but it's yeah. boring as fuck and it's hard Absolutely. to sit through. I agree. So I, I'm with you, and I've watched the but, entire thing like three times. But a Clockwork Orange, I mean, that movie is unbelievable. If oh. you the the message of that I made movie, her watch it. It's oh my insane. god, it's hard to watch, but I mean the the message, everything it's about a great that, that, message, that's one of my yeah. top five favorite films of all time. I've no seen it question. ten times. Yeah. it's incredible, and, and then, I've read the book. And then yeah. think so. Then Full Metal Jacket. Oh god, amazing, it's fucking unreal. Yeah, one of my favorite war like, movies. Doctor Strangelove, like that script oh, is unbelievable, and yeah. the acting. I mean, everything about that movie, and then even stuff like Eyes Wide Shut that he made, which like, is very well acted, but. I love not, that movie. You do. I like. You know that film's really come up in esteem in the last like yeah. decade or so. Yeah. The People Shining. like love it. The I mean, Shining. Oh, is, the Shining is, is my That's, one of my favorite horror movies. You're right. Actually, I guess maybe I don't know what I'm talking about because he's. Here's all I'm saying. He, no, no. The, the truth is, he'd definitely be in like my top fifty. But we did best directors, remember, did. in like top twenty-five, and yeah. I don't think he actually made any, any of our lists, wow. and we yeah. kind That's of all debated really it. Really sad. But that's okay. <laughs> but a lot of the reason it's funny because you just rattled off some of my favorite, like Full Metal Jacket, The Shining, and the, and Clockwork ha- Orange, oh, are films so I have, love. But so you have to consider though, that's one fucking guy doing those right. movies, and yeah. that, that's so why, like. He did. Uh, he kind of took every genre and excelled. It's, it's in impossible. It. It's yeah. impossible what he did, and that's why for me he's the number one. Because I look at somebody people. in like like Scorsese, who's probably would be in my top five. Yeah, he's, he's definitely in my but top. But he's not diverse. Right. He, he he he's his movies are incredible. And yeah. and if you if I did my top twenty films of all time, he'd probably have like three. You know, Taxi Driver is one of my favorite movies ever. I love it. Yeah. But you he, like gritty stuff, man. Yeah, but he's not close to the diversity of Kubrick. He couldn't do what Kubrick did even Spielberg who I also it loves Spielberg right. Schindler's List is one of my favorite movies yeah, Spielberg is amazing but again he see he's do. my number one well see look you're I love you're, I you're love a director Spielberg. so I you look at skill you look at art and stuff as well which a, I a see people, and I respect that I feel like it's almost become trendy to hate on Spielberg he's right. he's a guy he's, he's a, a master Give no, he's a, a guy break. and and for me it's like I actually the Cohen brothers are actually up there for me. I, I like uh, them. I don't oh, love no. for them. For me, well, because everyone loved No Country for Old Men, and I guess you did again, too. And no, no, this is so. This one is of my the least two, favorite ones. This is the two thousand one thing. So, Fargo, a masterpiece. So, so I, yeah. no, this this is very similar to Kubrick in two thousand one. No Country for Old Men is great. I like it, but I, I also it. think a lot of people said it was great to each other yeah. and acknowledged that it was great. For me. The Big Lebowski is the greatest comedy I ever love made. Big Lebowski, Fargo, uh, incredible. The uh, I'm blank. Oh, Raising brother, Arizona. Oh, brother, oh, Raising Arizona. Oh, oh, brother, where art thou? It's great. Raising Arizona was one of the movies that made me want to write scripts because, like, I film. loved novels, but that script, I mean, it's Holly it's, Hunter, you know, right, and Nicholas Cage, like, yeah. even like. Blood Simple and I mean everything they What's do. What's the one I saw a few months ago? It's a gangster film. It was fantastic. Oh, Miller's Crossing. Miller's. I mean that Crossing. movie's one of the. That's like The Godfather. It's fucking it's unreal. Fantastic. And, yeah. And so, if you set No Country aside and you look at Miller's Crossing and Raising Arizona and Fargo, which is like Fargo's fucking. I just up, watched that again. Absolute masterpiece. Over the weekend, yeah. And even like they did a remake of True Grit with Jeff. Bridges. Which was, was really amazing. good. I liked it. Jeff a lot. Bridges, yeah. Matt Damon. It's Inside, way better than the original. I'm sorry. Way better. Blast Inside Lou and Davis. Like I mean, they they're amazing, and they they kind of just they they create these characters that are so great and. They, what was that other film, Hud, the Hudsucker Proxy? Proxy? It was actually yeah, okay. Yeah, great. It started really good, then it's it kind of got bizarre. weird. Yeah, but and Barton Fink yeah. was another one. Like they, they are, they're up there for me. They're, they're top ten for me okay. for sure. And and I, you know, Malik is one of them for me just because the Thin Red Line is my favorite movie of all right. time. Right, I, which I, that I watched the Thin Red Line in the theater, and that was a transcendent it's experience unreal. for yeah. me. That film blew my mind. Have you yeah. ever seen that? 
But then it's a war film, but it's 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 a no. It's like a poetic yeah. movie. It's a very Sean different... Penn, Jim Caviezel. Yeah. Actually, I, I, everyone's I in that movie. That adore it. Well, John so. Travolta's in that. George Clooney, Everybody's John Cusack. It. It's yeah. got like a cast of like yeah. fifty people. It's about what three hours long. Yeah. He tried to release like a six-hour cut. Which yeah. war is it again? He's so crazy. World War Two. It's two. Yeah. It's a beautiful film. You're alienating a lot of great films. I know. If you say you want okay, so movies. having said that, recently Tony <laughs> slapped me around, and yeah. I started. I started watching. I hadn't seen Saving Private Ryan. It's a great one. I hadn't seen. Um, yeah, I started just watching my list of war movies. But the sure. Thin Red Line is up there with Saving Private Ryan, which is like yeah, my all-time. Yeah, and they were released great. the same year. It's, a, it's just unreal. He wanted to do a six-hour cut. Yeah, you have I mean, to Malick respect is... Terrence Malick. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about Malick for one minute because we're winding yeah. down. But I sure. like this because. Um, I agree with you. He is a bit of a nutcase. He seems to just do whatever the fuck he wants. He yep. casts like A-list actors and then cuts Everyone them out of his roles. His movies, yeah. Right. And you hear about all these incredible actors that got cut out of his films. And his last few movies have been awful. Have been really weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, The Tree of Life oh, God. was yeah. so odd to me. I didn't hate that movie, but I, I found either. it quite precocious. But um, what was the the very first one I saw of his was Badlands with Martin Sheen, which is fantastic. Badlands and uh, what the fuck is the other one? I'm tired. He did a really. uh, It's okay. Yeah, Badlands is amazing. Thin Red Line. He did. He did Badlands. That came up like twenty five years later. No, was it Days of Heaven? Days of Heaven. Thank you. Yeah. So he did those, which were both great. Then he, then he didn't make a movie for 20 25 years. years. Yeah. Wow. And then he did The Thin Red Line, which was which a, masterpiece. a masterpiece. And then he did The New World, which is actually With Colin like Farrell. almost mm. as good as The Thin it's a good Red movie. Line. That movie's fucking yeah. amazing. Really? Little, I, I think uh, I even saw that. The little movie. girl who plays Pocahontas mm-hmm. in it is yeah. like unreal. And I then saw that. I liked it. He did those two, and those were what kind of cemented him for me. Right. And then he did Tree of Life, which was so divisive. It was great. There were a lot of great things. I hate Sean Penn. I can't even oh, watch really? him act. He's so bad to I me. I'm not a fan. I no, know. Oh, I love Sean so Penn. And so everything okay. he did in that movie, I was rolling my eyes. And then there's this like... He's terrible in it's that It's gotta movie, be like though. a 25, 20 minute sequence right in the middle of the of movie. Like the, of creation like the creation of Earth. Of Earth. Yeah. <laughs> and it's visually unbelievable. I know. But it... It was, it was, and he did to rough. the wonder, and then I, he did like I didn't even see his last oh, movie. That's how bad it is. And I, I love him, but now yeah. he, he's he gets very contemplative. He and... does, but I, I think he does a lot better when he's rooted in subject matter that constrains him to some extent, like World War Two yeah. or the Pilgrims, you know, and the Indians, because then there are certain things he has to put he in. Needs <laughs> he needs someone to kind wander. of guide him, I think. Yeah, because otherwise yeah. his shit just becomes really pretentious and bad. But I think his next movie is actually another war movie, which really? is that could be exciting promising. for me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, nothing could be better, worse than what he's been doing. All right, this has been fascinating. It's been sure. a blast. I love having you on the show. And, and look, we'll have you back, you sure. know, when your next yeah. big movie comes out and you're a huge writer and director. No, absolutely. Don't <laughs> laugh. No, we'll well, it'll be no, soon, then I we'll hope. Be Called to his like his studio, his production. Yeah, man, absolutely. Yeah, this is like a nice cozy little podcast. Yeah. Uh, but just as we end off, um, rattle off. I know this is a terrible question, but tell me a couple of your favorite films. Other um, ones, The Thin Red Line, Blade Runner. Oh, nice. I love the okay. Lord of the Rings movies. She doesn't like Blade Runner. Hey, I uh, didn't. I don't not like that. it. It's just right. I'm not passionate like you. But Lord, no, no, no. Here's what's weird. She loves Blade Runner 2049. I do. Terrible. Really? Love, See, yeah, I loved it, but like, Blade Runner to me is untouchable. Yeah. Lord of the Rings. I, okay, I good. Those are my favorite. Those, those are our favorite films of all time. I can. I can't really argue with that. I mean, I like. They're top three for me, yeah, like cause, just because I was obsessed with those books, and it and it was the hardest possible job to adapt them, and right. it was perfect. Incredible. Uh, Five pulp, years later, they yeah, do a beautiful job. Yeah, yeah. Taxi Driver, Pulp Fiction, incredible. Mm-hmm. Pulp Fiction's in my top ten. Old sure. Boy is oh one. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah um, the original, not the of, I don't even crappy acknowledge the remake. remake. The Big Lebowski. You seen Old Boy? Oh, the original Korean film. Oh, that is a mind bending um, movie. Uh, Lebowski is great. The Big Lebowski is yeah. one of my. I, I would say Schindler's List, honestly. Yeah, I mean, that movie is like. It's a masterpiece. Fucking... She can't bear herself to watch it it's yet. It's a tough but... one to watch. I, but, but it I is tried in... once. It's a I cinematic a... masterpiece. Oh, and the movie. ending is. I'm German. Like, yeah. So <laughs> it was like too hot to I could have done more. With this, oh, I could have I could have saved is... more. His breakdown, yeah. how he didn't win an Oscar for that, Liam Neeson's breakdown at the end is incredible. Did Ray Fiennes win for it? No. None of them won for it. We should do a pod. 
podcast with me, uh, I, this is the only way I'll come on next time is if it's how awful the Academy is. And then we can sit there literally <laughs> oh, we can and do I can that. tell you. We Don't did worry. a whole rant oh, about that. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. My brother and I talk about the biggest snubs of all time. And it, for me, actually, the biggest... Dances song, with Wolves beat Goodfellas. So uh, Shakespeare and Love beat... Oh, saving private, private Ryan, Ryan. Oh and, the, oh. and the thin red line no oh, don't ridiculous. get me that started. is ridiculous yeah. Yeah. Forrest Gump beat Pulp Fiction and the Shawshank well, okay Sorry, disclaimer I'm a big, big fan my <laughs> wife Gump. who's the producer of the show Forrest Gump is her favorite movie so I kind of okay. have to be on her side but Pulp okay. Fiction and the Shawshank Redemption yeah that's crazy no no it's crazy Shawshank. it's not even close to being close yeah, no. but crazy. for me you know I love you babe yeah me too but but (laughs) strange but it's not close but strangely for me the biggest oscar snub of all time ellen burston not winning for requiem for a dream to me that's the greatest female performance i've ever seen in anything you know i've seen that movie once that's fantastic and that's all i need to see have you seen that it's aronofsky that's kind of the film that put him on the map it's about hardcore drug addiction from different viewpoints yeah and Jared Leto, Jennifer Connelly, oh, it's, it's got that infamous final scene yeah. with Jennifer Connelly. That one would be right at the cusp of my top 10 films of all wow. time. You City, like of, City of God. Dark movies. Really oh, I love City yeah. of God. I'm trying to think. Yeah, you have I a dark, dark mind, my Taxi friend. Taxi Driver. I like dark movies. There. Yeah. The, no real light ones are up there. I'm, the Iron yeah, okay. No happy movies? <laughs> no, that's what I was going to say. Before you we don't wrap like the, Love Actually? Yeah, before we oh, wrap yeah. this up, I want a few fluffy films. The Iron Giant's great, but even that's quite a dark animated oh, movie. I cry well, that has to be yeah. some fluffy. Yeah. It's gotta God, be some, what's your like guilty pleasures? Just a few, then we'll wrap this up. Braveheart. That's, that's not a not guilty, guilty pleasure. pleasure. <laughs> that movie is devastating. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> it's so corny, but I love it. Um, but it's heartbreaking. That's not last I cried through that. I like that. Dude, movie. No, these no, no. are all He sad. doesn't understand. These are epics. Okay, We're talking so about like fluffy, a fluffy... Like, like Rom-coms. police academy or oh, yeah oh, like, oh, 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 dumb, dumb and okay good like, i mean i love comedies like dumb know, and dumber like, is one of my classics what oh, are yeah, some yeah, of your yeah. three of your top favorite comedies and then we'll, we'll i know my top favorite <laughs> he said I, braveheart when i, I said light he and did fluffy have big lebowski that's pretty lighthearted. My, yeah but that's even my top three comedies go. very distinct the big lebowski okay. fletch oh i love fletch and dumb and dumber those are my three okay and then it's like we can do borat Office oh space, God, clerks. Those are like the the other ones. Borat. Yeah. I mean, it's a genius. Have you yeah. seen his new show? Yeah, it's fantastic. What is America? Yeah, it's it's uncomfortably <laughs> fantastic. He's the greatest comedian <laughs> on earth right now. I don't know how he's getting yeah. away with this. He's he had amazing. like Mike Pence and yeah, like know. you know yeah, top got, like politicians on the show. He really? got um, he got oh, who was it? The George. George Bush's vice president, Dick Cheney. Dick he got him Cheney. to sign his waterboarding. He, he uh, signed a waterboard. <laughs> no. It's, it's absolutely insane. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. That's he's, amazing. He's out of his mind. All right, Adam Segal. Thank you so much for coming yeah, on the show. Uh, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> and and thank you for taking, giving us like a peek inside the world sure. of filmmaking yeah, in Hollywood. Awesome. Um, I also love your advice. Look, if you guys sure. want to go for something, persist. Yeah. Keep Just going. keep at it. Yeah. Anyway, it's a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Good night, everyone. Good night. Thanks again for listening to another new episode of Tony the Movie Guy, the podcast. As always, please follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Tony the Movie Guy. Feel free to email us anytime with suggestions for new episodes. We'd love to hear your feedback as well at Tony the Movie Guy podcast at gmail.com. Check out our website for everything new with Tony the Movie Guy, TonyTheMovieGuy.com. And also, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. We would really appreciate it. Five stars helps us reach more people, which we would love to do. And also, you can find us on Patreon, and we have a GoFundMe. So the links will be in the show notes below. If you love the podcast, we would love your support. Bye-bye.